Greg, thanks for joining today. Greg Gonzalez, uh, co-founder of Youth to the People. Thanks for having me, man. Um, excited to be here. Thanks for taking the Absolutely. time. Absolutely. I know you're busy, so super excited. I think one of the one of the ways that um, we like to start too is maybe hear a little bit about your origin story. You know, how do you get started in this? Um, you know, tell us about the brand. How do you get started in the creative world? Yeah, yeah, totally. So it definitely was a journey into uh, the creative side of beauty, which is where uh, I've ended up uh, spending a lot of time. But um, I started like my first creative passion was music. So like four years old, five years old, you know, starting to learn piano and fell in love with music, played multiple instruments growing up, saxophone, played the oboe for a little bit. Um, and my other thing that I fell in love with was baseball. So I was either playing baseball or doing music. Um, and that was, those were my first two, uh, strong loves and passions. And that was kind of the first time I fell in love with just the, the act of repeating and doing things over and over and kind of the joy you can get from the idea that you just get better and better when you, you work at something. So, you know, I was the kid in the backyard, I'm an only child. So I was a kid in the backyard alone, throwing a baseball at the same box a thousand times, trying to hit the same thing and, you know, having a ton of fun doing that. Um, so through high school, I did the same thing, music, baseball, and kind of got to this kind of uh, crossroads where I had a music scholarship or I could walk on at, uh, at a smaller baseball school. And, you know, my dad and I had worked on this dream of baseball forever. And uh, I decided to go to junior college and play baseball. That took me down a journey of uh, two different junior colleges, eventually getting a scholarship to Chico State, and then getting drafted by the New York Mets. A long, a long journey, wow. but I got there. Um, so then I spent some time on the East Coast doing that. While I'm still making music, at that point, I'm making electronic beats and like learning how to make music on a computer. My older cousin had given me a, a software program, and I just was like, wait, I can make music on a computer. I don't need it. There again, I'm at spring training, playing baseball, going home and making beats on my laptop. Just, uh, you know, still doing, chasing kind of both of those things. I tear my elbow, have an ulnar nerve, like repositioning. So not like a ligament. I tore my nerve, which is not fun. Um, had a surgery, decided to retire. I come back to the Bay Area, which is where I'm from. I was born in San Francisco. That's where, the, where my family is, uh, most of them. And uh, I got into this small sound engineering school to really learn how to like, okay, how do I work with consoles? How do I record everything? How do I really mix music? Um, of course, the irony is at that time, everything's going into a bedroom studio. But nevertheless, uh, I learned a ton there and I was dead broke. And I was like figuring out my life. I'm like, you know, two months ago, I'm playing, you know, in Coney Island. Yeah, I'm playing for the Brooklyn, yeah. the Brooklyn Cyclones, <laughs> signing autograph balls, you know, playing really well, too, on my way. I was on the 40-man, like, you know, uh, kind of projected roster of, like, actually getting to the major leagues. And all of a sudden, I'm, like, dead broke trying to figure it out, starting from nothing, doing music, which I love. But it was definitely, like, a mentally tough time. And um, my family has a skincare company. My grandma had started a small skincare line in 1979. Um, and wow. her and my grandfather moved from Philadelphia and had a hair salon. And from the hair salon, she became obsessed with um, skincare and started to import a line, 
had seven kids, six girls. They end up getting a divorce, and she can't no longer be the importer of this line. There's no man's signature in the 70s. And she's like had this incredible entrepreneur spirit to start her own skincare line. Um, Importing meaning like yeah, bringing it from abroad. Exactly, exactly. So she was like a sole importer for a line. She ends up flying to Germany to work with the chemist and develops her first line and starts her company, which was called Images of Success, Um, which is cool because it already had like this emotive thing of like, you know, picturing your success and what that looks like. Um, so my mom and aunt, they were f- first of all, uh, five of the girls ended up getting into the industry, five of her daughters. So he, he out of the seven estheticians or cosmetologists. So my mom was one of them. So I grew up in a hair salon or going to my grandma's skincare business. So that's the background of how it even starts to get me. Um, and it was a small, you know, it's like 12, 15 people, family business, um, and I basically, my mom was like, Hey, why don't you come work for the company while you're, you know, studying music and kind of resetting yourself. And this is, this is in, in the, the Bay, Bay area. area. Yeah. So it's in so. the, Oh, this is in Oakland, um, right in the East Bay. And so that led me to starting to work in the office, but it wasn't in branding yet. It wasn't, uh, in any of the side that I ended up realizing was like my, you know, new passion and like love and calling of like what I wanted to work on. So I started on the phones doing customer experience, sales. I was in the warehouse. I was anywhere they would put me. Some things I did good, the warehouse, things like that. I did horribly. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know, not the, not the, not as the team, as my team knows, I'm not the, uh, I'm not the ops guy, but I will get in. I will, I will hang out in the meetings when needed. Um, and eventually I got into, my mom is like the CMO. She overlooks marketing and brand. And I got into her office and I started working on product positioning, copy, website, renaming categories, product development. And I was, I just fell in love with that. I really did. That's incredible, man. And I mean, one of the, the, the most amazing things is like you've, you've reinvented yourself twice. You reinvented yourself out of baseball. And then you reinvented yourself out of music and to skincare, like twice in a very short time frame. Yeah, I feel like I in that way. And I think, you know, I think we can feel like that at times, right? When we're going through these different life stages and different passions, you're almost like, gosh, that was almost like three, two or three different lives, you know? And I think that's totally okay. You know, sometimes it feels fragmented, but it's, it's not, you know, it's all building and giving you different experiences. And I think like, that's what gives us our unique experience to bring to whatever problem we're trying to solve or thing we're trying to build. So I really try to like, even when I talk to people and they're like, I was doing this, but now I want to do that. I'm like, it actually does add value. You know, you just have to see where it does and, and believe that it does because experience is experience. So, um, doesn't matter the field. How has the concept of purpose come with you along the way with all of those changes is there has there been like a north star that you you, you pursued or has it i mean i think it's always yeah i think it's like the first north star starts with this like product idea when you start to realize like wait there's something i want to bring to the world that you know isn't there or someone's not thinking about it in that way like you just you see that white space and it's almost like wait is this, it's so obvious i think those are the good ideas when you're like wait this seems so obvious that no one's 
doing this and this is really in my wheelhouse and something I I care about and I, I and I love doing. Okay, so that becomes the North Star. Okay, how do we make this product that harnesses that idea and that feeling? But then it shifts. See, then you you start getting a momentum, you start building a company, and then people become that the big part of that. Your team, what does that look like? The responsibility of a company, the responsibility of values, and that really that was a one of the biggest growing um, journeys and things I'm grateful for because it's it gives you a different a different outlook on like you know all aspects of of what the North Star is. One of the one of the things I often think about is the differences between the life experiences that perhaps you know your grandmother or your mother could have had or parents' generation versus ourselves versus you know the Gen Z like the new the new world. Uh, I feel like at least in my upbringing there was this idea of like sacrifice and effort and like you had to do all these different things and go through all these hurdles to to get to where you wanted to go. And I feel like nowadays, sometimes I talk to you know my younger cousins or their teenage years, and they have this like strange perception about how life is meant to be easy. It's meant to be like the straightforward thing. And you know, I don't want to, I don't want to build a business. I, I want to be an influencer. Yeah, like, that's a new, yeah, that's a new American dream. Like I want to be an influencer, a YouTuber. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you think that plays out into something like building a business, I mean, which is? I'm sure I'm going to ask you more things, but it's grueling, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think they're both true, you know, like I definitely, you know, I'm main, I'm my inspiration really does draw from, you know, my family and my, my grandmother, Eva on my other side, on my, um, I'm half Mexican. So on my Mexican side, you know, I have a lot of my grandfather, Manuel, who came, you know, and built everything from nothing and studied mathematics and all of these different things to get to where he was as a, superintendent of the water department in San Francisco. And that really had a huge impact on me of like this, this drive and this grind to just figure it out and learn and kind of work through kind of the impossible. Um, but I think they're both, they're both right. I think the new generation has a lot of things, right? Like, you know, because you can grind and grind and grind and get to these goals that doesn't necessarily bring happiness or peace. And I think the new generation understands that and there might, and there sometimes it doesn't need to be hard, you know? So, uh, every path is different. So I try to really, you know, absorb that. And because I've, there's times where I thought some sort of goal was going to bring, okay, now, now, now I'm good now, you know, and then you're, and not, you're like, you're Oh, like, it's not that. you're like, no, it's actually, actually, no, now I'm not good because I realized that wasn't going to make me actually happy. So now I got to re rethink all of this and set a new goal. Okay. Well, now what? let's set a new goal. Maybe that'll be it. So I, I think, you know, the way that I see, um, I'm inspired by that, that mentality actually of, Hey, like, how do you, you know, take a pause? Let's, let's, let's take a break. Let's make sure we're outside. Let's enjoy the simple things in life. But I think it's a balance because I do love the idea of, you know, just kind of relentlessly working at something. So, um, I don't know, both, both sides really kind of, you know, I'm inspired by. It's interesting. I was talking to, um, the raw juicery team yesterday. I don't know if you've ever had them. They're like this kind of cold pressed, fresh juice. Yeah. They're all over LA. Um, and 
one of the things they were saying is, is as, as they target the younger demographic, um, they were talking to how much more demanding they are to want to understand where the product's coming from, what's in the product, what ingredients, how it's been made, how the quality is there. Like there is absolutely, they've become much more informed and aware about why high quality, you know, clean products are important, which is not something that they felt the demand for in older generations. Right. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, in a way, like they've, they, you know, they have, e they've had easier access to data. They've been more informed. They demand higher quality products. Um, and a lot of them are willing to pay a higher price for higher quality. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, that was a big driver of even youth to the people was what's the why, you know, what, why are we making something? Who are we? Why does that, why, why, why should we make it? And, um, I was asking myself those questions uh, as a consumer too. Those were the brands and people that I was sort of drawn to was like, you know, why they made something um, and what was the purpose behind it. So that was what was really exciting about Youth of People is it's built on 40 years of heritage of making skincare products, right? Just decade after decade of trial, testing, learning, evolving. But at the same time in 2015, when we launched Youth of People, we could build this little baby from the ground up and really be conscious of every aspect. Okay, what are we putting it in? Okay, we're going to use glass. We want to use this type of paper. This is where the paper is made. And, and really looking at all of that um, from the ground up and doing it in a small way, you know, three products, very focused. Because um, a lot of times when you have this bigger thing that you're trying to change, it's harder. And you question a lot more like, can we change this? Should we change this name? What if they don't like this new packaging? You know, there's a lot more, there's a lot more freedom in this kind of new thing that is much, much smaller. So that's, it's, yeah, it's easier to switch when you're, when you're more nimble, right? Yeah. Um, so, so you are, you know, you're in Oakland, you're starting to learn about marketing from the family business. Um, how, what happens between then and starting the business and moving down to LA and yeah, you know, getting, what was the inception story? So then I'm, I'm, uh, so I'm working, I'm, so I do that for several years, um, maybe three or four years at that point, three to five years. And, um, I'm still making music. So I'm, I'm doing that all the time. And I start to work, uh, with my older cousin, actually the same cousin who gave me the original music program that got me going. Um, we started to do kind of uh, jingles and sizzle reel music for an agency in San Francisco called AKQA. And so I was getting some music placed there, which gave me some momentum um, and eventually um, felt like the move was to be in LA. And I just wanted to, I was ready to change the environment and really get into the creative and, and music community of LA. So that's what, that's what, that's what originally brought me down. Um, and that landed me firstly in, in Santa Monica. And so I was, I had some flexibility in my schedule. So I spent a lot of time walking around the streets of Santa Monica during the day. Um, and at that time, this was around 2013, juice shops are popping up everywhere. This like wave of wellness revolution is happening. It's super, super inspiring really to be around. And that's really what started to make me think like, oh, you know, what if we harness this cold press concept 
of a juice and we put it and we and we brought that to the topical benefits in a in a face wash and a cleanser so that was the really the first kind of aha product product moment which really is from moving down here i never moved to la i don't spend the time there you've never seen that no yeah. but i built something i feel like me and my cousin joe would have built a skincare brand but it, it would have been you know probably it would have been different so environment's huge absolutely i think environment is everything and i is one of the things that i since i moved to this country back in like 2014 um i've always been so appreciative of it's it's you know europe is amazing but it moves at a different pace yeah than the u.s does when it yeah. comes to launching businesses and building products um and so i always say that you know if, if you want to change your outcome start by changing your environment and then yes so much of what we do and who we are we become by you know by products of that environment yeah i'm, I'm with you a, a thousand percent on that um and so 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 tell me more about the, the mechanics so like you come down here you see this opportunity um how does the ball start to get rolling? Like obviously, yeah. you know, launching a product is expensive. You got formulation, you have marketing, you have you know production, and so on. Like, yeah, how do you get off the ground? Yeah, um, so really, you know, it was a it was a a partnership between me, my cousin Joe, my mom, and and our aunt Lori. Um, so looking at it, starting to discuss this, um, I was really coming at it from a creative end and my cousin joe had started to work for the professional family company as well but he was running operations and sales and finance and so we kind of realized you know we we just had a great working dynamic and so much trust we're both only children we're like brothers best friends growing up and um we started to talk a lot about it and my mom and our aunt Lori were were excited and we decided that hey we'll just build this the whole the whole idea was hey we'll do this tiny little thing and it won't disrupt any of what we're doing <laughs> it'll just be this cool little yeah. brand um and so we did it just you know really as as uh efficient and bare bones as possible um that's awesome yeah and did a lot internally so we did a lot of the work internally of the brand building the naming um you know, but we had the connection to really good cosmetic chemists through through everything else we had done. So the formulas, the formulas we had set up, and then it was a couple of years of building the brand and getting the website ready and and everything. So it was probably like, yeah, you know, twenty thirteen to twenty fifteen of of preparing to launch the brand. I mean, you guys had an incredible platform to be able to incubate um, the company, right? Like you had that kind of not just the family backing, but also the experience behind launching those products. Yeah, that was a huge, because like I said, 40 years of research and innovation and goes into every use of the people product, right? So when you touch the goop and you try it for the first time, um, it allowed us with a lot, we, you know, we didn't have any marketing dollars. We had $5,000 a month for the brand, <laughs> you know, for yeah. that's for gifting and social, you know, and for ads that's it so um, yeah. now this is the earlier days of instagram and it's a different a different environment right so a lot of, you know we were on the early end of you know skincare and beauty gifting and we had a lot of organic momentum from that um so we were talking about uh the so the second phase like you launch the company you start producing some products 
like you you know you start putting together an initial team what is what does scaling sales look like like do you guys raise money do you continue to bootstrap based yeah. on sales like yeah. how do you think about the mechanics of running um so for us we really wanted to get you know the proof of concept going before we raised any capital so we we took it slow honestly where we weren't in a big rut to to prove anything we kind of were in a learning phase all year one um gifting products getting feedback really tightening up our messaging our website um not extremely worried about how much sales momentum we had versus what's the community saying what are people saying what do we feel like it is you know does it, it does this have the ability to really scale um so we took it how did you how did you tactically do that like how do you manage to engage with people at scale like was it through social 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 was really our our you know communicating and and listening environment and connecting and you know that was you know even myself in in the dms talking to people you know at that point you know mm -hmm. i ran the social um so you know me and my cousin joe would really talk through it in, in that way that was like our best listening tool um and also just we would do trade shows. We did early trade shows. Um, I think, you know, those are, can be really important kind of uh, gut checks and seeing like, you know, all right, if you have thousands of people walking by your booth, do they stop? What question, what kind of questions do they ask? Do they seem interested? Um, you know, those are really good listening environments. They can be good to meet retailers, but I think like, I'm, I'm always like, you know, how are people reacting uh, to the product is super helpful within that environment really early on yeah absolutely it's just to try to refine you know what what actually resonates with people um and then th so you know you guys are growing the company did you at some point uh raise capital and, yes and if so like what was the what was the film process behind it like what was what did you want to deploy the yeah so we took it about as far as possible you know without raising capital probably farther than we should have um you know we we like you know literally um, something we always talk about, but we literally almost, you know, tanked the family business because we were growing too fast. So uh, we had, we were still very tiny, we had 5,000 followers on Instagram and we got an email from Sephora and uh, that they were interested in, in our products. And so all of a sudden, you know, right as we're getting momentum, we can feel it. We're like, okay, this is really, really exciting. We get the email. We go meet with them. We have a, an, an amazing meeting and there's so much synergy and connection there. And they want to bring us in two products uh, to eat to every, to every store in the U.S. And they're in their, in their, uh, what was then called their scouted area as they kind of like scout indie brands. Um, and so we had to figure out how to, how do we even like operationally fulfill that. At the same time, we were doing more sampling than ever you know, getting out into, you know, boxes and, you know, anyway, so we were getting into the 10,000 samples that we were at that time still doing by hand, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, Who were you sending these samples to? Were they individual buyers or were you were selling this through boxes? They would be boxes. I mean, I think like early on, like Birchbox and other, I think that was like mm -hmm. one that we utilized early on. And, you know, they were super, they were super helpful for us. You know, I think like, if you have, for us, our cleanser really was from the gate, our best seller, the, the, the product that people were drawn to. And so 
And I think if you have one of those products, getting those out through sampling, getting people able to try it um, is the biggest thing because they will fall in love with it. They'll like it, right? If it's a great product, though, they, you react to it. So be having that focus skew that you feel like you can just people need to get their hands on, um, you know, was definitely helpful. So then we got to that phase where we, um, we really needed to raise at, at that point to really be able to scale at Sephora and, and grow. And that's when we had, we made the decision, um, to, to raise and we did two. Just to be able to fulfill, to, to fulfill the demand as far as like inventory. Yeah. Inventory was the biggest one. Um, but also we realized, Hey, like we need to be able to build the team, right? We need to be able to build our, right. our marketing team out, um, our social team, our ops team. So that's when it was both things like talent, um, and, and, uh, inventory. Was this like how big was the team at this time? I think I mean I want to say it was, gosh, it was maybe just the four of us. I don't you know. Oh wow! It was maybe just it was maybe <laughs> just the four of us, and um, yeah, I, I think at that point. That's but it was I think it sort of started to kind of all happen really quickly then, and we had met um, Laura Klein, who is now our global head of product development. She was our very first hire, and and Joe and I met her you know, at a Nordstrom doing a presentation and she was working, um, for a different brand and we connected and that's, that's, we knew we needed to bring in someone for, uh, education and building out our, our sales team. And so that was our very first buyer. And it's amazing. She's still, she's still with us today, which is super cool. So how is life different now? Um, you know, within the L'Oreal world versus when you guys were operating individually you know yeah tell me a little bit about that process like the acquisition you know what what are some of the things you've learned and then you know how is life now yeah well it's definitely it's definitely a journey an acquisition is a journey <laughs> um it is a journey um yeah we met laurie we met l'oreal early on again so uh at one of our sephora shows in las vegas uh carol hamilton who's just an absolute legend in, in the industry and has been at L'Oreal uh, 39 years. She walked by our booth and fell in love with it. And we hadn't even launched in Sephora. It was like a pre-launch booth um, that Joe and I built by hand and almost fell over. It was a whole, it was a whole, it was a whole thing. <laughs> Every day I just prayed that the walls wouldn't fall. It, it was like, it was, it was. Isn't that building a company? Uh, yeah, yeah. Company. yeah. Nevertheless, the photos look beautiful and she got the, she got the concept. <laughs> and so we started, started a, 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 you know, a relationship and friendship then. And so it was really over the course of five years that we got to know each other and they got to see the brand grow and evolve. Um, and we built that trust and relationship. So I always, I'm a big believer for anybody, you know, growing it a small brand you might not think you're ready to have those conversations have those conversations as, as early as possible because you want to get to know people right people yeah build those relationships. yeah yeah and figure out like is it truly a good fit from a people point from a people uh you know point of view or or and so that was kind of that's how that started and as we built the company um and kept growing and growing you know we, we came to the realization that that you know, that would be the perfect home for us. And because um, the dream was to always go global and bring 
the brand to more people around the world um, and hopefully have the brand be around for decades and decades. And so at some point um, you need someone that has the experience to do that. You know, you start getting into this unknown territory and world of like, you know, things that you haven't done and that's good. You have to walk through those things, but you also need the right people around you um, to do that. What would have been the alternative? Would it, would it be, you know, continuing to raise exactly and try to do that global expansion? Exactly. Yourself? Raise a ton of capital, um, do it ourselves. And, you know, every it's individual, right? It's, it's not, it's, you really got to listen to yourself and what your dream was and your path. And um, we had kind of set that goal out early on once we were kind of getting that momentum of, you know, we want this brand to live on. We'd love for it to, to, to land um, at a strategic company that really honors brands and honors heritage and wants to, and has an incredible amount of experience, you know, scaling a brand globally. Um, so we just try to kind of keep that, 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 uh, that, that North star of that idea, because as you're growing and building, you're like, well, we could keep going we can keep going. We can raise more money. We keep going. And so you have to kind of catch yourself along the way and say, okay, what was the original goal? If we were, okay, if we were here, this is what we wanted to do. We're still there. And, um, so we kind of just kept kind of listening to our initial gut. Um, and that led us to realize it, you know, we were ready to, uh, to partner with L'Oreal. Um, and you learn a ton through that, you know, you just through the whole, the whole process of an acquisition and, um, and integrate and integration, right? Like last year was a, t a ton of learning, um, which is exciting. Um, for me is just learning how things switch and how you integrate into a large organization like that. And some of it's hard too. Some of it's hard because things are changing. So you start, yeah. you know, it's, it's really both. It's an emotion. It's a, it's a yo-yo. So what's next now? Like what's next for Greg and what's next for youth to the people? Um, well, right now we're really, it's the international piece. Um, so still heavily focused here on, on growing the U S um, but we're launching our first um, year long pop-up in the UK in shortage. So that's actually going to, that's going to open June 1st. Awesome. So getting I used to live there. It's like the perfect place for Perfect. This you know, we're, we're, we're perfect. We're built in <laughs> East, East London. London. We're built in the arts. We're built yeah. in the arts district here and Shoreditch is like the perfect home. Um, that is literally like on the dream. So like, you know, on the original kind of like dream, if we could get there and have a place in Shoreditch. So literally Sunday flying out there for, um, for that. And, um, so that's like a big part of it. Um, yeah, just the international side, building building the team, um, still getting used to, you know, our team and the new system. So a lot of a lot of growing and learning. That's amazing. You guys have managed to grow through social. Um, I mean, pretty significantly. You you know got a big following. Yeah, and you nurture that channel. How you know? I guess that's a, one of the the parting questions. Like, how did as a brand, um, have you managed to engage with people? to the point where you have, you know, this really loyal fan base. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard. I feel like it's, it's easier when you're an individual and you want to connect with yeah. them. But as a, as a brand, yeah. like how have you managed to? Yeah. I mean, honestly, really great team, a really great team that cares about community. Um, so, and just like relentlessly remembering to stay connected to your community. Um, and it's, you know, you're not perfect, 
but like, you know, who are the people that have been with us from the beginning? How do we stay connected with them? How do we keep that love and let them know how much we care about them? And then how do we scale that to a, to a, a you know, a much larger group of people. But I think in the end, it's like the care it's actually caring and, um, staying connected as much, as much as you can. That's yeah. awesome. Greg, I feel like we've, um, we've covered like one fifth of what <laughs> yeah. I wanted yeah. to cover. I know. I, I know. We got a lot more, we, we got a lot a, more to go here. We're just getting, we're just, we're just getting yes, warmed up. Here. We need a, we need a V2 and a V3. I think we're going to go I'm, for that. Yeah, I'm down. Um, I feel like talking about the company has been so the, the appetizer. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, let me, let me know. Let me know. I'm, I'm definitely happy to, to hop back on. We'll do, we'll do that. I really, I really would love that. I think we need to do a version two, another, another session. And, and I guess more of the, I guess I, I wanted to get more into the, the personal challenges of like growing the brand, you know, some of the, some of the tough moments, some of the, the difficult decisions maybe of, of growing that um, are not present maybe on like social media and yeah, uh, some of the customer engagement channels. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, for people that are trying to build their own indie beauty brands uh, will be super helpful. So. Yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely a ton of those moments, you know, a ton of those moments when you feel like the, the roof's going to crumble and you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and somehow I think, you know, when you build something, you, you gotta, you find, you find that, you look within and just keep moving, right? And uh, luckily, you know, I, I honestly, to be honest, there were times where I'm like, it's done, we're, we're finished. And, you know, my cousin Joe would just be like, we're good, you know? So sometimes it's that part, he's like, it's fine, we're gonna be fine. He's having a counterpart. Yeah, like, yeah. And, you know, and then you realize like, you know, when that happens a few times, you're like, no, we'll be all right. Like things will things will be okay, we'll learn, we'll adapt. And, you know, and try to use them for, you know, motivation, right? Sometimes the, you know, we have to, those failures are, they're, they're the motivators also. So really kind of championing that as much as we can as being part of, the, you know, the, the, the igniters and, and part of the journey, I think is, is super important. Fantastic. Well, thank you for taking the time to chat. Um, I know you're super busy, so this is. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, thanks again for having me.